Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rec Poker Podcast. For those of you expecting to see Jim Reed today, you will know that I am not Jim Reed. I'm certainly filling in. Uh, Jim apparently had to uh, take up, if you've been following us along, to know that he has to clean out John Somsky's gutters, and John held him to that today. So he's taking care of that today, and in order to punish everybody, he pointed to the person that everybody would least like to do this particular podcast. Everybody pointed at me, and so Jim chose me. So you're stuck with me today. But hopefully we can get through and uh, um, have some good discussions today. We are very, very fortunate uh, to have uh, uh, Heather Guerin and Paul Guerin, who are going to talk with us about uh, their uh, redesigned Poker Pilgrims uh, website. But first, I want to talk a little bit about our sponsor. Um, we are very fortunate to have the Running Aces Racetrack and Casino, which sponsors us each and every week and allows us to put on this um, uh, information for you. Um, we're largely, as Jim always says, a volunteer organization, but there are bills to pay in the background and Running Aces uh, racetrack and casino it helps us to do that uh, as a personal plug i've been there one time in, in minnesota when i was out there and it was one of the best places i have to play and that i've ever uh, played it helps that i won some money there but it's also lovely people and a lovely place to be we also have to always mention our premium members uh, who help us to pay the bills as well. Uh, these are individuals who have paid uh, a small amount per month, $15 per month, in order to help support what we're doing. But it gives them access to a great number of a great deal of information, a great deal of uh, materials, uh, access to videos from other sites as well. Uh, and it's just a great deal. It's actually how I got involved with the Wrecking Crew was first being a premium member. We also have the community members who help us to provide our nightly home game, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and they support us as well. Further, we also have the Wrecking Crew, which are the backbone of everything that we do here at Wreck Poker, and we're, you're going to hear a few of them right now. Well, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5b5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game. And I'm John Somsky. No, hey, watch out! Oh, Jim just fell off the ladder. Um, <laughs> and I'm known as Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Keith Brandt, and that's Monkey System everywhere. I'm Kim Kilroy. I'm Fergie fifty six in the home game. Pat that underscore thirty three on Twitter. And I'm Rob Washington, and I'm Rabman fifty just about everywhere. Okay, so. To get started with, I'd like to uh, introduce um, Heather Guerin and her husband, Paul Guerin. They're going to probably be best able to uh, speak a little bit about uh, their origin stories in poker. That is one of Jim's favorite uh, things to talk about. And I thought I'd just let them uh, explain that to you uh, in terms of who they are, what brought them to poker in the first place, uh, and where they went with it. Great. Well, uh, welcome, everybody. Thank you for having us tonight. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, you know, ours is probably the kind of mundane post moneymaker era. Got into uh poker watching it, um, after that, and then started playing, um, you know, dropped into Foxwoods in Connecticut and a few other of the uh Mohegan Sun, the places in New England, and uh, and then actually started playing uh, our kind of local pub pub poker, you know, weekly events around our area and played that for months and years of kind of casual doing that and then you know going to the casinos once in a while and playing there but you know really kind of learned the game with uh people we became friends with in our local area just kind of going once or twice a week to a kind of local establishment having some fun so and then we 
progressively played a kind of dropped that at some point in our life, decided that uh, that randomness was just not tolerable anymore of the uh, the eight minute blind levels and uh, and uh, wild play of pub poker um, and started playing a lot of, uh, you know, more tournaments in New England and some cash and uh, uh, been doing that for, I don't know, Heather, right? Last 14, 15 years now. Yeah, probably about. Um, and then in 2017 was when we decided to start a blog because we really loved poker and we really loved traveling. And so we wanted to kind of share our things that we've learned and rooms that we visited with other folks who, like us, might be interested in traveling different places in the country to play poker. Well, that's actually interesting because as I was kind of trying to figure out, um, you know, who you were in, in the field preparing for this interview, I realized actually you helped me out uh, when I first started playing poker very directly in that I'm in the New England area. And about 2018, I was looking for a poker place to play in New Hampshire for one of my daughter's AAU tournaments. And I came upon this particular travel site and it was yours. So I owe you great. thanks for saying thank you for helping me, you know, find a great place to play. Can you tell us a little bit about the website and, and what your game, what your hopes were for it? Sure, absolutely. We um, we originally back in 2017 were thinking we were going to take a, a year once our youngest kids were in college and travel around the country just playing poker everywhere we could. Um, and then the pandemic happened and life happened and our V's are incredibly expensive now. And so we may still do that at some point. But right now what we're doing is we take a couple of months a year and we'll go to a destination. We've been to Vegas for a month during the World Series and we went to Maryland for a month and we've been to different parts of Florida a couple of times um, and just play as much poker. You know, we get an Airbnb and live there for a month and play as much poker as we can um, and review the rooms and learn the tournaments and the players um, and really try to bring all that information together for people. Recently, we've been able to pull together information on um, most of the, the cash play in the country, um, all the rooms that are covered by Bravo or Poker Atlas. Um, if you go to, say, Poker Atlas, you can see how many cash tables are live right now. But if you want to know how many cash tables are going to be live on an average Saturday night in San Diego, they can't tell you that, but our website has that now. And our website also, just as of the last couple of months, has all the regular tournaments playing in the country that are covered by um, either their own sites or the aggregator sites. So if you're going to Tampa and you know you're going to be there on a Saturday night, you can pull up um, our table and see, okay, what are the blind levels? What are the S points? How many people on average play at... TGT, Hard Rock, you know, Derby Lane. So you can make an informed choice of which tournament you want to buy into. So, and we also still have the blog. We have a map of all the poker rooms in the country. Um, but we really have been trying to fill out the kind of data aspect um, of helping people figure out where they want to play poker. So I think when we evolved this from what is a blog into a website that's meant to be now a resource for recreational poker players, that Really, if you're trying to decide where to play, how to play, we want to give you information about what those areas are like, 
what the different room options are in those areas. If we visit them, we have an extensive review of kind of what the, not only the poker experience is like, but the general facility or areas like, and get some ideas about what you may want to do and how that fits into your you know, kind of life and travels. Um, and, and, you know, we really want it to be more of a resource for people now than just our musings about our incredibly exciting travels and sparkling personalities. Um, although that's obviously riveting to most people, as you might expect, you know, we want it to be a bigger thing than that. So, um, you know, and had, the travels has talks about that is really travel. We jump in a car. We jumped in a car from Boston, Massachusetts and drove to Vegas for the World Series, stopping at, you know, various things to do, um, non-poker things, too, but also start stopping at the Jack in Cleveland and then, you know, all along the way, picking off the, you know, Solo rooms in, out in Nebraska and things like that. So Blackhawk, Colorado, where there like six which, rooms you know, on a single block. Which I had, a, I had a panic attack trying to drive up the mountains of Blackhawk. Uh, you know, <laughs> in the in the snow and the thought that thought that was going to be our last last uh, venture uh, trying to get in and out of Blackhawk. If anybody's been there, they could. It's worth going. It's pretty fascinating, but uh, definitely definitely not for the faint of heart to drive up into the mountains of uh, Colorado. So, but worth it. Uh, but so, yeah, we're really trying to, I think, develop a resource so people can go there and kind of help to decide, you know, like yourself, Joe, when you go into New Hampshire, we want people to go and say, you know, okay, I want the biggest cash action. I'm, I want to play, you know, I want to play PLO. I want to cash. Where would you go? You know, if you're in New England, where would you go? And we could tell you, well, you got Foxwoods and you got maybe, uh, you know, um, you know, Chasers in, in New Hampshire. And those Fox are your billiards, options. yeah billiards in New Hampshire but you know if you ideally we're going to try to fill out this entire experiential map not only with data but our own experience so that you know pretty much you could go to all the kind of major hot spots in the country and have some data to really decide where you want to play. So I did want to ask you about the data um, because uh, you're listed as being data analysts or data scientists as well. And, um, you know, gathering and saying, well, this is a room that has, you know, places to play and it's got pretty walls is one thing. But, you know, I've heard you say multiple times uh, just in the last five minutes that you're that you're collecting averages of, of some sort in terms of number of rooms per night without without getting into the, you know, any trade secrets for yourself. How are you gathering that data and how do you pull it all together to analyze it effectively to give people an idea really of what's going on in those rooms? You know, I think we go we do the un uh, the unglamorous, tedious work of for you know a couple weeks at a time saying okay we're going to look at the entire west coast at 8 p.m on tuesday night and then wednesday night and we're going to go to bravo we're going to poker alice we're going to go to the websites of particular rooms that carry their own numbers there because there's still a few of those out there and we are going to record for a couple weeks in a row to get a decent mean average there of who's playing same thing tournaments tournaments are um, heather still curses me out on a regular basis when after we got through all the cash numbers i said we need tournament numbers now. We need tournament numbers. <laughs> and that's a, that's a kind of living hell that I wish upon nobody. Because <laughs> as you probably all know, as soon as you get a good handle on what rooms are offering, what tournaments, and what they change the tournament structures, they change the tournaments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we spent months and months running this down, and um, I think we did like twelve hundred tournaments in the country of every every poker room that was tracked. That's over six tables. That's more than five tables actually. So. You know, it really was a lot of grunt work. We're trying to figure out more efficient ways to do it as we move forward. 
but basically it was un, unglamorous grunt work of collecting numbers, drawing averages, and uh, calculating you know, S points for all of the tournaments. tournaments, calculating structure sheet, taking every structure sheet that we could get our hands on and calculating S points. So ultimately we want to kind of evolve this into you know, understanding what value you're getting mm-hmm. to your money. You know, obviously um, we don't, the, in the trade secret, we don't want to reveal too much here, but most recreational poker players are not real profitable. Like, you know, <laughs> sad, but true. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I hate to break everybody's bubble, but most of us are not making millions off of this. So that means you're you're kind of buying money and how you thoughtfully choose that in terms of what the, what's the rake in those tournaments? What's, you know, what's, you know, the, um, you know, what do the fields look like? So what's the potential payoff? And are kind of critical, we think, to recreational poker players, kind of figure out how you – we look at it as recreation. That is money. If I was a golfer and I played golf, I'd be spending several hundred dollars a month on golf. I like to play poker, so I want – but, I, you know, like most of us, we don't have unlimited budgets. So I think there's some thoughtfulness about being a recreational poker player and judging the value of that tournament. So understanding that for your 100 bucks or $150 – you're getting great. You're getting several hours of good play. You can actually play real poker. You know, you're going to get a field of 120 people. So the payout, the top prize is going to be, you know, 4,500 bucks. You know, all those things we think go, should go into the mix of most poker players deciding, you know, what they're going to do tournament wise. Um, and certainly cash too, being able to know you're going to go to get enough tables that you can do some table switching or kind of, you know, try to, try to, you know, organize your strategy so that you, don't end up on the one table one room has every night without the ability to move off of some regs that are just killing you. So, I have a quick, quick question for you, Paul. Um, uh, we're mostly a tournament site here at Rec Poker, mostly. Um, and uh, you mentioned S points, and I'm just wondering if you can explain to our listeners what S points are, sure. what they represent, and how they're calculated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, without going through the whole uh, algebra, it's an algebraic equation that takes in um, the 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 way it goes, the, the degree that the, there jumps in each level, each of the levels of the tournament. They take levels, uh, what's it, 6, Four. 10, 14, and 18. So they look at the flow three levels, and those go into exactly how quickly those go, go up, you know, gets into the calculation. And then there's a kind of runoff time in terms of the amount of time it takes to get to blind levels that um, equate to your starting stack. So if your starting stack is 30,000 and you get to the blind levels, which are 6 and 12 with a 12,000 big blind ante, that's your break-even point. So, And if that's um, 12 levels in at 30-minute blinds, that's 360 minutes. So the most, the more minutes you can get till you reach that break-even point gives you a sense of how much play there is, as well as the arc of the of the um, of the tournament. So and so the the blind off minutes is one piece of it, and then the kind of degree to which it goes up. Because if suddenly we play in tournaments like this, where we're like, I'm sure you all do, where you get great play for two or three hours it's great you're able to play real poker and then suddenly it goes one two two four four eight the double in the blind levels and suddenly you're playing you know you're playing all in poker you know suddenly within half an hour after you know hour three and other pro, uh, tournaments go very very gradual so the s points gives you a number that goes from basically two or three to 
a hundred and something. Most daily tournaments go between about 20 and 40. That's a, a typical, anything above 40 is generally pretty good. Anything below like 20, 25 is pretty bad. So you get one number that kind of sums up, is this a good tournament in terms of structure where you can get quality play? So the bigger the number, the better quality. So you would say under uh, over 40 is a decent structure from what you're saying? 40 is good. I mean, that, that, that's the simple answer because then it's like, well, how much did you buy in for? You know, so if you bought in for, you know, 80 bucks and you got a 32, that's really good. If you bought in for, you know, 250 and it's a 40, it's marginal. So some of it's a little bit about the buy-in, but yeah, in terms of you, if you, if you ignore the buy-in amount and you kind of say, I'd say, you know, over 40, you got set a pretty good play over 50. You got real good play, play in S points, you're getting under 20, you're starting to play you know, pretty fast-paced tournaments where you're not going to have a lot of strong play. So it, it sounds to me like you're kind of trying to maximize um, a player, not a player's time necessarily, but to provide an idea for the recreational player about how much value that they're getting for the tournament time that they are, rather than just in terms of how much money you can make based on buy-ons and things like that. Yeah. Is that fair? Yes. And, uh, and that's one of the things we're working on, too, is to try Well, Heather keeps pressing me because I'm the one that's, you know, we're data analysts. So now I'm trying to come up with a way to, 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 under, to really kind of summarize value for people to say really for this for this buy-in amount you're getting really excellent value so he, no he wants to create the next great tournament metric i'm working on it i'm you working on one it. number that wraps it all up <laughs> yeah and it's it's really challenging yeah that's probably actually a better way to yeah a more complicated way to do it but uh, well, we're working on that but yeah <laughs> we do really want to have people's sense of like i i think there's nothing worse than people buying we're tournament players largely too so we we under we understand the kind of perils of this, but you go in and you don't you kind of don't know what the structure is, and you go and you lay 150 bucks down, and you're suddenly like, oh my goodness, you know, I, it's a nice play for a while. Now it's now it's just descended into, you know, it's really important as you all know to really understand. And I, yeah, you probably also sense that, you know, so few players actually spend the time to look at any of that and to really kind of think about is this a good venue for me to play is this a good am i likely to have success here um if i if i'm the type of player that plays pretty solid you know tight aggressive poker and waits for opportunities and you know is that this the kind of term that's going to give me that kind of ability or you know am i going to be just really pressed up to, yeah i'm going to be pressed up against it pretty quickly so so it's almost more like less like a financial EV and more like an enjoyment EV kind of yes. kind of comparison. That's I'm stealing that right now. Copyright coolest. Copyright coolest. We may or may not quote you, Joe, but like, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think that's kind of what our site is. I mean, we kind of view, um, you know, with you know, poker is you know meant to be for most of us fun and entertainment unless we get to a level of ability that that produces income that your revenue that really makes it a different thing but that's not true for 99 percent of us it's it's it is we're, we want the site to be something where people can use as a resource to say is this something that i'm going to have fun with and not just you know the poker itself but the we've gone to places where you get we've gotten destroyed you know and the poker was was not fun but the environment itself and the place was so enjoyable that that didn't matter that much, you know, that we, okay, the poke was tough, but the, the venue was, was excellent. 
you know, and and vice versa. You know, we, we played in dicey venues where the, the then the dealers were excellent and the structure was great, and we don't care that you know we were getting to the parking lot looking over our shoulder, making sure we didn't get killed. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but the poker was worth it, worth the risk. So we do really kind of look at the whole thing in terms of providing these numbers for people to make kind of thoughtful decisions. And then when we can find, when we can have some color ourselves with reviews and things like that to really say, you know, we think this is an excellent. So one of the things that we've been doing on, uh, in terms of the number of guests that we've had recently uh, has to have to deal with uh, women in poker and women in tournaments. And, and obviously there's been quite a lot uh, online about uh, the difficulties for uh, women playing at various venues. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I actually kind of noticed wasn't there was or might be something that you could include would be something to give women an idea of how friendly the venue is to uh, women in general. Um, on the last uh, Thinking Poker podcast, they had talked about, uh, I think, Maryland Live uh, being much more friendly mm-hmm. than some of the other venues. Uh, and I was curious if you'd ever considered that or is it is it taken into account somewhere in your in your rankings? So we, we haven't, I think, explicitly called that out, but we do as part of whenever we do a room review, we do a description of kind of the general players in the room and always call out, you know, I definitely have played plenty of tournaments where I'm the only woman in the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. And I'll call that out or I'll say, no, about 40% of the players were were women. You know, sometimes you'll go into a place and it's all 60 plus old men, you know? Um, so if, if the kind of mix stands out in a certain way, we mention that when we do a room review. Um, but I, I also just personally haven't had issues as a woman playing poker. I actually love being the only woman at a table of men. It's just like, you know, I'm also a data analyst and really into sports. So, you know, <laughs> it's just my personal, I am comfortable in a room full of men. Um, so for me, I think it isn't it isn't top of mind um, like I think it is for some other women. We certainly do like to underscore it in the reviews, though, and and unfortunately, the, the most of it ends up there were very few women in the room. So you know, yeah. you're right, Maryland Live, a place like that, which we we love, which is one oh. of our favorite favorite rooms, is is excellent in every way. So you know, I do think they are very friendly to women. They're just friendly to players in general. So. Um, I think that there there is something I think you're right that it would be nice to kind of include it and really understand that and, and state that. Unfortunately, the kind of reality of most of the rooms right now is that just so few women still play regularly. Um, you know, we just we just wish it was more, you know, and some of the New Hampshire rooms is pretty good. But, you know, we, we have been you're right. Heather's been the lone woman in way more tournaments than I, than I wish was true. So. So how do um, casino rooms actually receive your rankings, given that, um, you know, in looking at your rankings, some some don't do quite as well as others. Uh, and, and I can imagine that certain rooms might not be all that pleased when you come by and other rooms are quite happy and maybe provide you gifts. I mean, how do, how do you manage those uh, uh, difficulties and conflicts and so on? So we well, have- we reject the gifts for the most part, unless there's, <laughs> unless there's implicit threat, which did happen. We won't, we won't name the room, but we were told we we probably should accept the the buy-ins. But uh, but uh, yeah. oh, that's right. I mean, that did happen once. That did happen once. Um, but um, the uh, 
You know, we actually got contacted by a Vegas room not too long ago whose review was not particularly favorable, and they couldn't have been nicer. And they wanted, they actually asked us, you know, to update some of the tournament info because they had changed some things and whatever. They but they their were, tournaments, yeah. Actually, most of the rooms have been very, very nice about it. You know, we try to be even-handed. We, we seldom, you know, um, I, there's very few rooms. I, I found that there's very few elite rooms and there's very few rooms that have no redeeming factors. We, we really try to look at the culture of a room and assess that. And we do rate them. We absolutely do. Um, and we do rate them for the quality of the personnel, the quality of tournaments, and that kind of comfort of the room and sense of being there. Um, and there have been a few, you know, duds in the world but most of the time we try to be fair and kind of say here's what's good about the room and here's what's not strong about the room and um i don't for the think- most part the feedback that we get is when we you know post the review on twitter um someone from the room will say thanks so much for for stopping in or thanks so much for your review um and we don't really hear much beyond that okay so um, I haven't been able to watch closely. Uh, I do want to give if there's any um, anybody who is on the YouTube live who wants to ask any questions, if Chris wants to give those, or if any of the other panelists do want to step in, um, I can talk forever. So again, you, you, you do need to speak up. Well, I have one kind of follow-up. Um, you mentioned um, you know traveling to a bunch of different areas of the country, traveling across the country between East Coast, West Coast. And you know you often hear players talking about um, there's a Florida style of poker. There's a Vegas mm. style of poker. There's a you know East Coast style of poker, West Coast style of poker, maybe a Midwest style of poker. Um, have you found that uh, in sort of like in traversing across the country and like do you adjust how you play in different regions at all? Oh yeah, I mean definitely. It's like you know go to South Florida and it's like everybody's insane as the whole area is and everybody drives like a maniac and every place plays, plays poker like a maniac, you know? So yeah, yeah, we definitely have seen that. We have definitely seen where, you know, we stop again, we stop on our way out in the mid- Midwest and it's much tighter and, you know, you definitely adjust your, your play accordingly. Um, although I think we find it sometimes more even room to room than regional, you know, like even up where we live, um, we know the rooms that really attract the players that are much more skilled and intense about the way and focused on the way they play. And then the rooms that are kind of a little more mellow, a little more laid back and fun. And I think we found that probably more from area to area that there are the, there are the good time rooms, the people going and having a fun time and kind of being a little bit, you know, a lot of track, fun trash talk. And then there's the rooms there you go and they're deadly serious and everybody's intense and, I think the the variation room to room in regions is more than region to region. I think I found most regions have their their fun places and then they have their we all think we're pros and we're never going to crack a smile and we you know and you know I would find it more variation like that than I do region to region. That'd be nice. Except for South Florida. Except for South Florida which is insane <laughs> but not that that's a bad thing, South Florida people, but uh, we like many rooms down there. We, you know, the Hard Rock down there is a great room. We like like a lot of rooms down there, but uh, that's a that's an intense area in a lot of ways. So. so you mentioned that even in the same region that you'll get different types of atmospheres based on the room. Do you think that's just because of the people that particularly go to that venue, or is it the venue itself that creates this kind of a uh, you know, 
a really tightness and everybody's real focused and and the other one everybody's partying and having fun i mean is is it the venue that's making this happen i wonder I think a little both. I think we have like a room up near us in, in New Hampshire where um, I think they're re- they've been really kind of um, they really they really kept the tournament stuff going alive when it died all over New England during the pandemic and post pandemic. And they had a certain kind of way of approaching it that I think created some fun and some excitement for people to play tournament poker, particularly. Um, so I do think you're right that it's probably I try a little of both. It probably gets, you know, attracts, you know. Some of it's just like, hey, if this place offers low buy-in tournaments, that attracts a certain group of people. If you're putting down $60 to play versus 250 that's a different type of player. So some of it's driven by whether the offerings are, what the players that are willing to put those things down. If you're playing for 60 and you lose 60 you shrug. If you're playing for 500 it's not so much of a shrug when you get when somebody chases a gut shot on you and gets it and, you know, you lose your mind. Um, so... Um, you know, I think there's some about the structure and the offerings, but I definitely think there are, are uh, some trends setting with the rooms. Again, we'll come back to we just played Maryland Live in the fall, so and you guys met, you had mentioned that previously, Joe, and uh, I think that was one of the places where they they set a real tone of both kind of they're very interesting kind of room because it's both professional but kind of fun. To, you know, they kind of did a really good job. the The dealers were just excellent. The tours were excellent. There was this fun atmosphere yet it was really professionally run which is a rare kind of commodity so I every single that- employee at that place was so nice from the security guard to the floor you know to the dealers it was yeah. really they really stood out just for how nice everybody was yeah. crazy keith i think you've been unmuted for a while uh yeah uh i have been watching your work your blog on advanced poker training with yeah. interest for a long time now i'm a i'm a life member great and and uh what are what are your plans for the near future to add to it yeah well keith mentions we have multiple hats we're talking about our website but we also work for advanced poker training doing things for them mm-hmm. which is a, you know, a training a simulation bot-driven tra- ability to train and uh, you know, a lot of different utilities there. It's great. The people at Steve Blay who runs that is a, one of the nicest people you ever meet. And they, they've created a great site. So we write for them and do other work for them. Heather works um, works for Robbie, another yeah. site, as you guys probably know. So I'll let her talk a little bit about that. So we've kind of kept some fire, you know, pokers in the, excuse, through the pun pokers in a number of areas. Yeah, for Robbie, I just... Um... I do some editing and um, help him prepare posts to publish. I actually am the person who prepares the rec poker post to publish every uh, every week. So um, I'm quite familiar with the podcast. So I guess Card Player Magazine that Heather helped Robbie out with. But yeah, so I guess it's world domination, Keith, of every poker <laughs> site in the world is our, <laughs> as our ultimate is that we plan to get engaged in every single one of them so nobody can avoid us but uh <laughs> but yeah we've we've been really fortunate that we've gotten lucky that we've we've run into some of these people and met them and you know getting together with steve lay at advanced poker training was just kind of he had an ad out years ago when we responded to it we had had a we had kind of run our own humor blog a long time ago and then discovered we we can't make money at that and weren't that funny so that was you know so once we discovered that we we started working with Advanced Poker Training, developed our site. Robbie, we met Robbie, also one of the nicest people in, in 
the poker world. Um, so yeah, we kind of keep keep doing all that stuff because we enjoy that. Um, on top of our core job, which is pays the bills, we actually kind of enjoy these kind of sidelights. Um, and you know, there's just so many. One of the reasons we got into poker is like this group here. I felt you know, we just so many nice people to meet, so many interesting people to meet. When I first started playing in New Hampshire, I was like, this is like watching this on ESPN. Everybody was a character. Everybody was interesting. I mean, it was like everybody was out of central casting. We had everybody had, you know, there were the famous people in the room and all in Freddie and this guy. And everybody had these personas. And so we we just kind of kind of continued to dive into that and really want to enjoy the experience of the people in this game. Um, both people that work at websites and also just the other players. We just we just really like really like that aspect of it too. Just a quick follow up too. You you mentioned world domination. Uh, we have a, a lot of our members, uh, including some of our uh, wrecking crew members, are uh, from Canada areas. And not to give you any more work that you have to do, but have you ever uh, have you ever taken a tour of some other rooms around the world? And and would you ever con- is that something that you're kind of oh, thinking yeah. that the the website can uh, take? <laughs> oh, there we the, go. There we go. One there of our all time favorite poker rooms is Playground outside yeah. of Montreal. Yeah. We yeah. we went there every God. We went there twice a year before COVID. Um, sometimes, um, and we used to love the Casino Montreal back when it was a full poker room and ran tournaments and stuff. Yeah. Um, so far, those are our only two Canada rooms, but we've been to them many times. Um, and yeah, definitely, we'd we'd love to play in different parts of the world. Also. If anybody gets a chance to play with a French card deck, so because so <laughs> the playground plays with the standard deck but casino montreal when it played with the french deck which that a king was uh raw so it's an r and uh queen was d and jack was v so you're sitting there playing trying to figure out do i have the nuts or do i have absolutely nothing <laughs> do i have broadway i can't tell it was hilarious. everybody's talking in french we have no idea what's going on you know but it, that was that was a great place too so yeah, we, we really want to explore more Canada. And we, we both do like to travel. And, you know, when we kind of get everybody through college and we can, we, we both want to get back to Europe and do some um, traveling over there. And we'd love to stop at some of the famous rooms over there, too. So, yeah, the, the world definitely, you know, it expands beyond the United States and even even Canada. We even might <laughs> in Canada. But, um, yeah, we definitely, definitely want to take some Canadian, Canadian tours at some point, some other rooms. So I did want to shift gears just a little bit because uh, in my investigations, uh, you know, over the afternoon, I found out that there is something that actually the two of you share with me. Uh, you, you call yourself data scientists or data analysts, right? But that hides the fact that you're both clinical psychologists. And I am also a clinical psychologist. Um, and I'm also married to a clinical psychologist. So my question has to do with a quote that I found online, and I'm just going to read it to make sure. It says, can I opt for waterboarding if you'll shut up? And I'd, I'd like you to just kind of comment on uh, what that quote means to you and more generally how it's been being people who share the same interests and educational backgrounds and working together um, as you as you build the website and go through your poker life journey. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, you know, 
yeah, there's probably a reason we're no longer active clinical psychologists, too, by the way. So, you know, uh, Heather's actually got the full PhD, but, you know, she, but yes, we both have a background in that. We both, and we tend to use those elements of, of the training and doctoral training in psychology, you know, does a lot of research methods. So that's kind of where we went eventually. Um, but yeah, working together 24 seven and, and sharing all these interests, um, you would think that that would be a, a recipe for eventual burnout, but we actually re- work remarkably well together in that way. Um, that we, call, we we always um, use the phrase Lennon McCartney. That means we're egoless in terms of I don't care who gets credit for this. I don't care who does the good thing. We don't we don't have any kind of egos around what we do with each other. If if we rewrite each other's piece, it's almost always better. So when we write stuff and the other one edits it, it usually is improved. And I don't even go back and look at what she did. I don't, I don't, I trust Heather. So, you know, she, I'm sure reads what I did. I'm sure she, <laughs> I don't know if it goes both ways Maybe. equally. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe. I also, I also understand the pecking order. Heather, run, let, let's, let's be honest here. Heather runs this website and I behave myself as much as I possibly can and do what she tells me. So we he's much more willing to do the grunt work, looking at the numbers, mm-hmm. getting back up at one o'clock in the morning because the California tournaments now have enough numbers to, to check in. Um, he, he will put himself on the line to get the data collected. Yeah, I'll do that stuff. <laughs> I found it very interesting because I think that when I started playing poker, I always got the, well, you're a clinical psychologist and, um, you're going to have this huge edge on everybody. And I don't know that that's necessarily true if you've ever seen my game, but uh, I do think that um, the data anal- data analysis side actually that you learn as a part of your training plays as much a role in terms of giving an understanding of how to play in comparison to what everybody thinks, which is you can read souls the minute people walk through the door. Yeah. Have you ever found that you've had to hide your uh, backgrounds when you've gone to tables uh, for what people's responses are in terms of how um, you're seen as a psychologist or you know, the training? Yeah, this is very, we're not playing. I mean, we have played World Series events. We've cashed in World Series events and done that. So maybe at that level, we kind of started to worry about that kind of stuff. Obviously, 99% of the time you sit down if there are players that can use this information well enough, well, more power to them to, you know, do that. So, you know, I think we're all just trying to hang in there. Like yourself, I'm like, I think I should be way better than I am, given my background in training. <laughs> i to do math and to, at one time, you know, read souls or whatever. And uh, it's a challenging game, man. You know, it's just, it, it definitely keeps you humble in terms of, um, a few years ago, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be good at this. I'm, I'm just, you know, we're going to, you know. And then you start to realize how challenging and how the swings in tournament poker particularly. We are in a, uh, we are, let's say, a prolonged drought um, for, for a long time right now. And it's like, you know, we were doing very well a couple of years ago and right before COVID and stuff. And, and then you hit the droughts and, you know, you read about the pros that go into two-year droughts. So, I think we're all kind of just trying to play the game well enough. And yeah, we look for reads and we look, you know, and I, you know, I spend a fair, sometime, you know, in the game theory end of things when I think a player is strong enough that he's playing a little bit along those lines. And I'm trying to do the math of what's the likelihood this is a bluff. And, and, you know, we use it a little bit, but I don't know, Heather, do you use it? I don't know. What, what, what do you use? 
we don't understand each other's game. We don't. We oh, don't no, we do not. We yeah. actually play very different poker games. Yeah. Um, although yeah. come up with stunningly similar results. We actually have a yeah. spreadsheet where we keep all of our results. And we, for several years, kind of did a, you know, who came out better at the end of the year competition. And it alternated. Yeah. One year was me and the next year was him and the next year was me. And um, But we have very different games. Yeah, to go back to your kind of question, Joe, about you know the the elements of working together and whatever. Um, probably the only shaky moments in poker have not been about the website, not been anything. It's when we get seated at the same table in a poker tournament, and Heather likes watching my game about as much as she likes knives stuck in her feet. It just it pains her to watch me play. Um, it's just the 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 sidelight one story too. I, have any of you played a, a tag team switch tournament? Have you guys ever played that? It is the most fun thing we have ever done. We played at Planet Hollywood during the World Series several years ago. And for anybody who doesn't know, it's like a triple tag team is you have one, one stack and you each switch off to play that single stack. In a tag team, you each play their two stacks. And when they yell switch, you have to stop what you're doing and flip seats and play each other's hands. And then, you know, a random amount of minutes pass, they suddenly switch and you switch back. You have to take over your partner's hand, mid-hand. So when Paul is on, in the cutoff, thinking it was clever to raise 4X with 5-8 off, and they yell switch, and your wife comes in and sees what crap you just put her in a position to play. <laughs> Suddenly, you're hearing about that all weekend long. So... Um, it is, it is a Kim sounds like she played. It's a lot of fun, but yeah, that's when you learn uh, you, your games are, are slightly different when you uh, mm-hmm. play a Switch tournament. Tag team. I actually played it with my uh, girlfriend, who's also a premium member here. Um, and she and I, it was a Lips event that year. I don't know if you played the year it was the Lips event. And she yep. and I actually came second. So nice. it was super, super exciting. Yeah, and fun. Yeah. Best, best type of tag team tournament there is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, tag team. That was the most that was the most fun I've ever had playing poker because the one I played in Hollywood too was it started at one in the afternoon, but pretty much everybody was already intoxicated and screaming for shots every two seconds. And it was just, I went to one Great. table where I uh, yeah. where I I won about fifteen hands in a row because n- literally nobody was paying attention to. Uh, <laughs> so tag team switch, a lot of fun. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Heather Heather and I have different games. We have we have knocked each other out. Um, of more tournaments than we uh we never play easy on each other we never collude we never do that stuff and uh it it most of the time goes okay so i just had one more question um you know if anybody on the uh uh, the youtube live has questions you know try to get them in quickly so we can make sure that we uh ask these people i don't want to eat up too much of your time you've already been very generous with us um and obviously if any of the other um uh uh, wrecking crew members have questions and please jump in. I guess the question would be, you know, so a lot of people, um, try to travel and try to go different places for, uh, you know, their vacations and things like that. And sometimes one member wants to play. Sometimes both members want to play. Sometimes some people don't want to spend any time in the casinos. How would you, what kind of advice would you give to people in terms of how to manage those, um, options given, uh, your, exposure to so many different kinds of poker rooms. So that's something we actually usually do try to cover. Um, and we have actually a couple of posts specifically 
about here are some great things to do in Miami or Las Vegas or wherever if you don't play poker. You know, here here are the other things going on um, if you don't want to play. Um, so I, I think beyond that, we usually, again, in our reviews, we'll, we'll mention if there are any um, if it's a one-off room somewhere, um, if there are any real tourist attractions in the area, if there's somewhere good to eat. Um, we have another post that's all about what to do if you're in a tournament with your spouse or a partner and you get knocked out and they're going on for five more hours. You know, here's how to prepare yourself to make sure you don't go insane waiting for them for five hours, you know, especially if you're not going to, you know, just go and play cash. Right. Yeah, you want to definitely avoid your your significant other saying, if you bubble, you're a dead man after I waited for five hours. That's never happened in my life. That's never <laughs> been uttered to me, but it could be. So, you know, it is tricky. It is tricky, you know, when people have different, if you're not playing at all. We actually know several couples where um, actually the wife is a player and the husband is not. And they do, they travel around and they, and, uh, you know, she has to, he has to find stuff to do. He's very patient. Sometimes he hangs out and, and, you know, chats with people and stuff. But, you know, I do think we, we view the kind of website as imagining that all of us as recreational poker players have a range of interests and that poker is part of a, a travel and experience that should be broad and full. And, you know, we like to do certain that we like to go hiking. We like to go to museums. We like to, you know, nice, not, necessarily expensive restaurants, but not finding interesting restaurants. So in most of our kind of thing, we try to say, hey, if you're in Vegas, check out Chef Kenny's because it's this great vegan takeout or this, that. We we want people to kind of have a sense of what it's like to play there. Uh-oh, Kim, I don't know. Kim, Kim likes the vegan. <laughs> I love Chef Kenny's. It's yeah. my favorite it's place Chef Kenny's. We're not vegan yeah. either. We're it's amazing. I'm not vegan either. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. ridiculously good food. Yeah. It, phenomenal. I mean, that was that was one of the things we couldn't wait to write a review to stick. Like Chef Kenny's. We were staying in an Airbnb around the corner, and it was just like we, we had it like every other night. So I do want to be cognizant of the time, and you've been so generous to this point as it is. But um, was there anything else that you wanted to plug? Anything else that you wanted to speak about in terms of your website, about the revision, or anything else that you're doing that would be an interest to our viewership? Yeah, I think we just welcome people to stop by, contact us, give us feedback, tell us what you want to see. You know, we we really want to be a resource for poker players out there. We, we, We listen and talk to people and find out kind of what they need and we're constantly growing the site to include stuff that would would be helpful so no it's really an evolution like all these things like you all know you start with a certain idea and you go different places with it and you know we're we're looking to really evolve it in in ways that we think you know we we think the poker community the poker lifestyle has uh is not all just about uh degenerate gambling in fact most of it hopefully isn't and we we think very truly that the, the poker, the people we run into in poker are some of the more interesting people we've ever met. And the game itself is very interesting. And the experience when you travel and you get to see stuff and play some great places and enjoy that is it can be a very fruitful thing. So we're just going to keep evolving this thing and see where it goes. And then, uh, you know, we, we want to hear from people. Well, the site is pokerpilgrims.com. 
I, I can give my full endorsement. It has helped me, as I said at the beginning, to find a room, and they were spot on in terms of the nature of the room. Um, and I'm always happy when data is being gathered. So um, kudos to you guys for, for the work that you're doing. We have some other things. You're more than welcome to stay and listen as we as we talk about some the winnings and our and our um, community game, as well as our food bank giveaway that we're going to do. Um, if you have other yes. things that you need to do, like writing down certain statistics for cash rooms in Dubuque, <laughs> then you know certainly uh, feel free to uh, uh, get 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 to work. Right, Paul? That I, apparently you have to do that. Well, Heather will just yeah. No, I have to go <laughs> jump on and find out what's happening at Club Fifty Two in Melbourne, Florida. <laughs> I have a quick question yeah, though absolutely. for Heather and Paul. I'm if you have any pull at any poker room, can you get some more tag team switch tournaments in the mix? Maryland Live has a monthly one now. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I might have to we take literally, a there. We literally say those kind of things. Oh, there's two games we want to push. It's tag team switches and crazy pineapple. Both are just insanely fun. And mm-hmm. you know, so every time we get the ear of any manager, we say that. We try to pop it in. You know, we can barely, you know, half the rooms is tough enough to get good tournaments anymore. But, yeah, absolutely. Anybody drop in the ear of any any format that will at least do a monthly or something. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you everybody. so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Great talking to you. Take care. Good luck, everyone. Take care. So... Moving on into some of the things that um, um, Jim does, if I forget anything, just uh, somebody yell at me and say, you forgot that. Um, I think the first thing that we want to do is, is give uh, John the opportunity to talk about the, 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 the home game, the daily home game. Uh, I'm going to actually keep my mouth shut and see if we can get through one without interrupting him so that there can be something that Jim could never do with the podcast going forward. Well, we can start with the Mixed Game Championship Series. Dry for Tigball, Danny Wood won the Mixed Game Championship Series. That's two in a row that he won. That brings him up into second place while Gopher Boy TJM Taylor has the lead in that particular series. Then for the Daily Series Tournament of Champions, Lars Larson's opening, George Borden, won his very first TOC and the coveted silver pin. Frogman Rick won his first nightly series of the year. Aces 54-32-0, or 5-4-3-2-0. Kathy Chang got her second nightly victory for the year. Rabman 50, Rob Washam. Got his first nightly victory for the year. Rozzy Q, Roz Quarto, got her first nightly victory for the year. And John Lancer got his second nightly victory for the year. B-Chip, Charles Allen, won the Daily Mixed event for his third time this year. Keck Geek got his third international victory. That's Keck Geek Sr. for those keeping track. And Killy 19341, Rich Deacons got his second international victory for the year. And then M. Babker, Michael Babker, won the LPP event, so he can contact Jim at rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. So is that the first time we've gotten through it without interruption? Yeah, other than me stumbling all over every other word. <laughs> well, we didn't we didn't get through without messing up a name, and that's always my favorite part. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder if I rely on those interruptions to read ahead to reduce the number. It mm-hmm. seemed like I was worse than usual tonight. So you're Maybe I just didn't have enough. 
you're blaming me for stumbling across the words. Well, I can't take credit for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll put that on my shoulders with everything else. I like messed up, John. Um, well, fantastic to all the winners. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I believe Jim's line is uh, it doesn't cost anything to play in our daily home game. Um, you can be part of a community member. Uh, email and smile, right? The two things that are required um, and they're mandatory in order to sign up. And if you're looking for a way to just kind of dip your toes into poker and get some good volume without actually having to invest a lot of money, it's a good place to start uh, and learn how to play poker, play against some people that are playing harder than you'll see, for instance, on Poker stars, non-cash games, because people actually play to win uh, on these games, and it's going to be tougher than the games that you're used to if you're not used to playing tough games. Um, Chris, did you want to talk about um, the upcoming uh, deep dive for this month? I certainly can. I mean, we're, so um, in June, we're looking at um, player reads, uh, kind of when how we how we build an idea of taking an exploit and what kinds of factors go into making that kind of decision we had a um i'm really excited for this one to come out we had a really nice conversation um with a bunch of wrecking crew members um so tune in for that because i think it's a really it's an important topic that we talk a lot about theory we talk a lot about you know game theory optimal but in the end um we are really having to use that information and make a better decision at the table based on the factors surrounding us. And so having a sense of how you make those decisions um, is a really valuable skill. Uh, This Thursday, uh, just to plug my own um, little portion of this uh, website, uh, I'll be uh, doing my second PSYOPs um, presentation. um, And we're hoping to talk about a lot of biases this week, particularly biases that are going to impact your studying by changing changing how you view um, the outcomes from hands that you have. Um, I'm not going to give away any of the biases, names and things like that, but uh, certainly tune in um, and bring any questions that you have about um, uh, psychology at the table. Um, As I said earlier in the presentation, I'm a clinical psychologist. I've studied uh, cognitive biases as a part of my work for pretty much my entire career, and uh, I might be able to shed some light on some things um, that you have been stumbling on in your poker game. Um, Rob, have you been able to Pick out which which book you're going to do. I saw that you were you had a the uh, Twitter poll. Uh, the Twitter poll is gone. I think we're down to the final four, and I'll be posting that poll out to see what we're going to do. But we still have one more session of the Poker Brain coming up uh, in two days. So anybody that's watching this live can join us on Wednesday at six thirty for the last session of the Poker Brain, and then uh, hopefully. Next week, about this time, we'll have an idea of which hand, which book we're going to be starting the first Wednesday of June. Uh, Keith, did you have something that you wanted to plug coming up? Uh, well, we just had the uh, Monkey's Off-Table Tools session. And uh, in June, I'm just going to, I'm going to cover the same thing. I, I don't know how I can do live reads in that session. So maybe we'll just do an advanced poker training, crush the bots tonight. 
for those of you that haven't actually uh, been and visited Keith's sites um, or Keith's presentation or Monkey System, it, it's fantastic. I mean, the, the the opportunity to sit and talk about hands uh, uh, using um, a lot of times you use the advanced poker training um, uh, site to kind of go through different spots really helps to kind of formulate how people might respond. And I, I, I absolutely uh, uh, encourage people to check it out. Um, I do want to say before we last uh, moment for food bank. Oh, I'm sorry, Keith. Did we good. Okay. Um, I did want to just uh, last call for food bank uh, to type that in before we do the run. But, uh, you know, I've been here probably about uh, a year and a half in terms of being on the site. And I've, uh, if you know anything about me, I have lots of interest in a lot of different poker training sites. And this is really one that I, that I felt was very strong, particularly for the recreational poker to get an idea of, of how to play the game and how to interact with people who are going to understand the, the amount of time that you have to play, but also that you want to become a much better. So I really hear, um, heartily encourage people to take advantage of these uh, opportunities. Come join us, uh, sit in on a conference, uh, watch the videos. Um, everybody here is very nice, except for me. I'm the mean one, but you know, they, they make me be nice for that once a month. Um, but everybody is helpful and everybody wants you to, to improve and get better. And so take advantage of those opportunities. So unless anybody else wants, has anything else they want to plug or any other things that we should do, um, I think it's time to. I would, I would say that I'm glad someone else can be the mean one. Oh. <laughs> I was always the mean one. <laughs> well, you know, you know me, Kim. I'm I'm very competitive on everything, and, and so therefore, and I would say we don't make you be nice. We just try our best to, to, make, <laughs> to, to have you be not mean. <laughs> okay, so it looks like we have uh, one, two, three, four, five. Um, That's people. what I see. Yeah. Do you want to read the order just so there's no controversies, like the the Great Phil controversy of 2021 <laughs> or whatever that was. That would be fine. Uh, so I have Eric Anderson, Luke O, Mary McCune, uh, CM Magic 62, and Evil Roy Slade. That, that is what I see as well. All right, here we go. I, I'm rolling the, the box car. If we get a six, we're re-rolling. It's a five. That's Evil Roy. Man, Evil Roy. <laughs> Evil Roy just wins. He's just like, he, he's, he's, man. He's He supplements his income by selling the prizes that he wins he must i mean otherwise he's just got this pile of prizes next to him that just never goes down yeah. and uh he you know it's kind of like a scrooge mcduck sitting on top of his big pile and sliding on the up to the bottom <laughs> you know i thought you could only choose either luck or talent hmm? not both but you know he seems to have a little bit of both there mm -hmm. I was forced to choose between good lucks and brains, and I got neither. So how did that happen? I mean, you They all went to Evil Roy. It's just like it just all funneled that way. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun for me. I hope uh, people have enjoyed the time that we've spent. Um, luckily for you, uh, Jim should be back next week, and you'll have a more reasonable, rational uh, host uh, to, uh, to do this uh, podcast. But... Thank you for giving me the mic um, for the evening, and I hope everybody has a great next week. Yeah. And Thanks, everyone. Thank, thank you. Nice job, Joe. Oh.